The advice and informational content does not necessarily represent the views of Mother's Market and Kitchen. Mother's recommends consulting your health professional for your personal medical condition. Hello, I'm Kimberly King, and welcome to the Mother's Market Podcast, a show dedicated to the truth, beauty, and goodness of the human condition. On today's episode, many people are adding a probiotic to their diets. These live microorganisms help with digestion and overall health. So listen closely and see if they're right for you. On today's episode, nutritionist Hilary Nitschke has worked for Jaro Formulas for 22 years. She's created nutrition programs for Ironman triathletes and marathon runners. She studied directly with Rick Scalzo, the original founder and formulator at Gaia Herbs and founder of the Rick Scalzo Institute for Botanical Research at Southwestern College for Naturopathic Medicine. She's currently pursuing a functional medicine certification with a sub-focus on botanicals and is a longtime natural products industry professional working as an educator as well as in sales and marketing. And we welcome her to the Mother's Market Podcast. Hillary, how are you? I'm well. How about you? I am doing great. Thank you. Thanks for being here. My pleasure. Why don't you fill our audience in a little bit on your mission and your work before we get to today's show topic? Well, to me, I think there's nothing more important than how we treat our bodies, what we put into our bodies, that without that, without our physical health, we won't have our emotional well-being, and, and we don't have, there's no wealth without our health. I, I mean, I like that. maybe that's a silly way to put it. It's a little too much of a jingle, but, but <laughs> it's true. So that, that's my personal mission. Oh, well, thank you. And today we are talking about probiotic strains and why do they matter? And I guess the first question I have is, what is a microbiome? We each have our own individual microbiome, and the microbiome is a community of up to 100 trillion cells that exist within your body, and they carry 99% of your genetic material. So that's pretty pretty important stuff there. And there's so much going on with the microbiome. Most of those cells are bacteria cells, but there are a few other types of cells, including viruses, that are part of the microbiome. And we can't live without them, and they can't live without us. It's pretty interesting when you think about the fact that there are more bacteria cells, more in the microbiome than there are human cells. So it's an interesting question. Are you a load of bacteria carrying (laughs) around some human, or are you a human carrying around a load of bacteria? There's also some interesting study going on, or conversation going on currently in the scientific community, looking at considering the microbiome an organ. Now, it's not an organ you can point to, like your brain or your liver, but it actually weighs as much as those two organs, which are competing for you know top position and, and the heaviest organs that we have. So you can't point to exactly where it is, although most of it is in the gut. But when you think about what your organs do and how your body functions optimally, there's some pretty tight parameters for good health. And your organs control a lot of that. You know, think about acidity in the body, uh, hormone function, all of those things, there's tight parameters for how they work. The immune system is this, the same. So a healthy immune response occurs within pretty tight parameters. And the microbiome is largely responsible for that. Well, you said 100 trillion cells, is that right? So yes. you had me at yes. that right yep. there. I, I was <laughs> like, whoa. But I, and I liked your analogy about your bodies too. How are, you know, how are we reflecting? Uh, what affects our personal microbiomes? There are several things that go into the personal microbiome. The most prevalent is really where you live. So geography plays a big part in the microbiome. But of course, what we eat, how, how well we digest what we eat, 
how much fiber we eat in a week, mm-hmm. how acidic our diet is. So are you eating a lot of meat, drinking a lot of caffeine or alcohol? Stressors, both internal and external stressors, how well you sleep, mm-hmm. uh, even how many bowel movements you have in a week, all affect the health and the viability even of your microbiome. Thank you. And it, it is true. You can't just pinpoint one area. It, it all goes together, right? right. So um, talk a little bit about probiotics. What, what are probiotics? The word probiotic comes from the Greek for life. And the WHO defines probiotic as live microorganisms that when administered in adequate amounts confer a benefit to the host. And I say that particularly slowly for a reason, because there's a lot to unpack there. The first is live microorganisms. So we're talking about those live bacteria and other living microorganisms, not their end products, not prebiotics, but those live microorganisms in and of themselves. Now, we could have a whole different discussion on prebiotics or end products, but let's stick with this. Mm -hmm. And... um, that confer benefit to the host. So how do you know if they confer benefit? And how do you know what adequate amounts are? So what we're really looking at are therapeutic amounts to confer a benefit. And that's where the importance of strains, which I know we'll talk about more and more as we progress through this, through this conversation. But I, I don't want to ever forget that, that the importance of that definition. Okay, I like that too. And and right in the very beginning, you said it's for life, and you think about that army, that defensive army inside, I guess, right? right. Um, so, do fermented foods count as probiotics, or is that what they really are? And I, I have to just go back for a minute. Not only does the microbiome exist within us, but also on our skin, you know, around our eyes. I mean, mucous membrane throughout the body, but the skin is our first barrier between ourselves and the rest of the world. And having that healthy bacterial balance on the skin is also very important. That's a really good point, and I yeah. never really thought about it, but especially as we come through COVID, you have to know how to combat that too, right? Right. Or beef up. Right. Or if you, you, know, if you have a cut, how does it heal? Mm-hmm. How does it not become infected and inflamed, right? A big part of that is a healthy microbiome affecting that. But back to do fermented foods count? <laughs> you know... What does that even mean? Do they count, right? So they count if you're thinking about, they confer benefit, when I eat this, I feel better, or when I drink a kombucha, I feel better. Do you, do you really? I mean, <laughs> that's, and, and does it matter, right? Is that just the placebo effect of kombucha makes me feel better, I think I'm digesting better when I eat sauerkraut? But if back, when we go back to that definition of what a probiotic is, are you getting adequate amounts of a live microorganism that's conferring a benefit, that's actually moving the dial within the health of your microbiome and your being? I would say primarily no. Mm -hmm. However, at the very least, these uh, fermented foods, we believe we feel better, and that's important. And they're also helping to set up a good environment. So even when we're looking at bacteria that are not bacteria that live, that continue to thrive within the microbiome over time, they're helping to set up, ideally, uh, a more hospitable environment for your microbiome, for your inherent good bacteria. Okay, so adequate amounts. Uh, what Talk about how do we get to that point? 
Or is this a conversation we're going to have in a minute? But I'm really interested in that while you're talking about that. It is a conversation we're going to, going to have in a minute. And, and as we see more functional foods and different beverages, and certainly there are certain probiotic beverages that we see in the probiotic coolers at our natural food stores and even in, in some cases in supermarkets, and they hopefully do have adequate amounts of live microorganisms that confer benefit. And that's where... At, we're going to talk about this further as we progress, knowing the strains. And that's how you know your amounts. Is this something that's been clinically studied? Have we seen how this bacteria behaves both within the body and in vitro? Do we know what it does? Or is it simply when I put cabbage in a fermentation crock, I create a bacterially fermented cabbage? Or I have a kombucha mother and I create more kombucha. I mean, we know what those bacteria are, right. for instance, in kombucha or yogurt, but are they adequate amounts to confer benefit? Highly likely not, not. which doesn't mean don't drink them or eat them. I mean, they, 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 have, they have their benefits. They're easier to digest. Mm-hmm. And again, they're setting up a better environment for, for the rest of the microbiome. So yes, they confer benefit, but in a different way, not in that same therapeutic way that right. an adequate amount yeah, and I like how you say they're setting up a nice hospitable environment for that. You're opening the door to say, welcome, come on in. Exactly. <laughs> so you talked about the probiotic drinks. Is there a better way to take probiotics uh, than a pill or in a drink? Or, Well, I, you know, I work for a vitamin company, yeah. but I, and I'm, not all people are pill people. I guess I can say I, I only learned this from other people who say I'm not a pill person. I don't like taking pills. I think pills are a great way to take your probiotics because, again, you have a very measured amount. Mm-hmm. When you trust your manufacturer and you know that they're using the right strains, you know that they're identifying strains and using them and treating the products properly and they're alive, uh, arriving alive to the retailer or to your home if you're ordering them directly or whatever. Um, so it's a, to me, it's the easiest way to use a probiotic and get it in, in a therapeutic amount. But there are some very good probiotic drinks available and, and even probiotic gummies. And I would certainly say, again, if you can verify that you know enough about the product, that you know that these are good strains, that they're surviving in that milieu, that in, in the way that they were created, like gummies require a lot of heat, so you better have a probiotic strain that can handle that. Compliance is key. Mm. So if you're not a pill person then you need to find another way to take your probiotic. If that's a drink, if that's a gummy, then the only way it's going to benefit you is if you actually use it. So, so and you said compliance is key, but so would be consistency, correct? Yes, yes. Yeah, so you have that um, moment in time where you, you, I don't know, starting at what age, if there's a specific age that you begin doing this? Oh, gosh. I, babies need probiotics. Okay. I mean, even a, a vaginal birth will provide some probiotic exposure to a baby and not all not, not everybody has that opportunity mm-hmm. um, and some babies are born with more resilience in that way due to their mothers mm-hmm. you know and the environment that they come into and whether or not they're bre- breastfed but there's no age at which probiotics are inappropriate and in many cases whether it's for a young baby or a geriatric you know very old person they can save lives that's great uh, so you mentioned a little bit earlier prebiotics. What's, what is the difference? What is a prebiotic versus a probiotic? A prebiotic is a fiber that feeds the probiotic. But it's fair to say that while all prebiotics 
are fiber. Not all fiber is prebiotic. Mm. So not all fibers will feed probiotics, but there are certain fibers. And there are certain foods, uh, Jerusalem artichoke, for instance, is high in prebiotic fiber. Um, onions actually have a decent amount of prebiotic, raw onions, decent, decent amount of prebiotic fiber. But um, I don't know, a graham cracker that's made with whole wheat doesn't. You know, I mean, there are certain things, your whole wheat bread that's high in fiber or something, that's not the right type of fiber. Okay, okay. And um, do probiotics work hand-in-hand hand with prebiotics? And how? Do, what would your suggestion be as far as you take a prebiotic supplement along with a probiotic supplement? That's a good question. I, it's not always necessary. It's helpful, certainly. And a lot of times probiotics are packaged with appropriate prebiotics, but often they're not. Some people actually have a tough time tolerating fibers in general, and, and that includes prebiotic fibers. So the difference also, prebiotics are a short-chain fatty acid fiber, if, if that matters to anyone. But nonetheless, for some people, those will cause some intestinal distress. So some people want their probiotics without a prebiotic. But if, if it's somebody who's really continuing to have challenges with maintaining a healthy microbiome, and they know this because of certain symptoms that they have, perhaps a prebiotic with their probiotic will be beneficial. And most people will recover from the initial intestinal distress of using a, a prebiotic with a probiotic. But for some people who just really have very sensitive gut, very sensitive digestive system, I don't always recommend a prebiotic. Okay. And then you mentioned something about right in the beginning about what probiotics do, but also the, the gut health, the brain health, and then the mental health. I think that's really interesting. Is this kind of a new area, territory they're studying? Well, I wouldn't say that it's entirely new, but we're getting more and more information all the time, and it's really exciting. Mm -hmm. uh, for instance, did you know that the majority of our serotonin is actually manufactured in the gut? So serotonin is the key neurotransmitter for mood. And think about it, though. It's manufactured in the gut. How does it get to the brain? We've only pretty recently learned that it travels via the vagus nerve, which is a physical part of your body. Mm. So it travels from the gut via the vagus nerve to the brain. We know in, many people have trouble with serotonin for any variety of reasons that we're still trying to unpack and figure out. And some of that may be some type of disconnect. So this is what we're learning. We don't, we don't have many of the answers yet, mm -hmm. but we're, the path is... is lighting up as we speak. You know, there's lots of research going on. I think it's really interesting. You've got a lot of uh, great information coming through and we have more, so don't go anywhere. We will be back. Looking for healthier snack options? Mother's Market sources organic and non-GMO small batch, high quality, great tasting nuts, dried fruits, snacks, and candy. The goal, to provide you the highest in quality snacks while also offering high nutritional value. Fan favorites include non-GMO peanut butter pretzel bites, organic dried mango slices, and organic dark chocolate peanut clusters. Stop into your local Mother's Market today to explore all the varieties and pick some up to try for yourself. Let's talk menstruation, perimenopause, menopause, and postmenopause. These shouldn't be taboo topics. They're the normal life phases we move through as women. And Solaray delivers support every step of the way with her life stages. 
The first-of-its-kind, comprehensive new supplement line offers doctor-formulated solutions at each stage with clinically-backed ingredients you can count on. Own the stage. Buy Solaray at Mother's Market today. In just a moment. Welcome back to the Mother's Market Podcast. And we want to remind you that if you missed any portion of today's show, you can find us on iTunes by searching Mother's Market or download the show from our website, mothersmarket.com. Click the link for podcast and listen to past shows. Plus, download our healthy recipes and money savings coupons, all available at mothersmarket.com. And now back to our interview with Jaro's Hilary Nitschke. And we're talking about what probiotic strains do and why they matter. And we were just talking a little bit about what is the best time of day to take probiotics? That's going to depend on a few things. Part of it is actually the probiotic that you're using and how it's packaged. So an enteric-coated probiotic, which you should be able to decipher if a product is enteric-coated right on the label, um, what that means is that the capsule or tablet is coated in an enteric coating that protects the interior from stomach acids. Frequently, it's the stomach acid that will actually affect that outer coating, but not be able to penetrate it, but affect it enough that then when that product, that tablet or capsule lands essentially in the intestines, then it dissolves and it opens up right there and delivers all of your product right where you want it. Mm. And so a product like that, you can essentially take at any time. Um, some of our really exciting new spore-forming bacillus strains, uh, they can also be taken at any time because one thing that's so exciting about them is how hardy they are. They're not sensitive to stomach acid, and they're not sensitive to heat. Mm. Other products, a typically encapsulated probiotic product, one, whether it's shelf-stable or refrigerated, I like to recommend that those are taken with food because, and we used to say take it after because the stomach acid is lowest then. So I would say either with your meal or following your meal because when you take it with your meal, your stomach acids are, are busy, if you will. And if you take it after your meal, you've used these stomach acids and that probiotic can just pass through because many beneficial bacteria are sensitive to the stomach acid. So we don't want to lose them. We don't want to lose them to digestion. And that's a really good point, too. I never thought about that. But, yeah, we're busy while you're eating <laughs> with everything going through. Do you need to take a probiotic all the time or only when you have a specific health concern? I think that's something you might get different answers from different people. I consider it a part of our uh, foundational health program. So just as a multivitamin and a healthy diet and a good sleep regimen are part of what we do to, you know, and a good exercise regimen are part of what we do to stay healthy, I see that using that probiotic as an ongoing part of, of that healthy regimen to be, again, foundational. So yes, I believe they should be taken all the time. You may change up what probiotic you're taking based on have you just recently used an antibiotic? Are you traveling? Do you have a specific issue that's arisen that you need to address? But back to, remember when we were talking about the microbiome and that invisible organ controlling or helping to manage our immune response, your immune system is working double time these days and, and is working double time all the time. Mm -hmm. So why would you not be supporting it with something as benign? You know, probiotics are entirely non-toxic and something that can support your immune system so well. Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, literally, or you're getting on a flight, whatever. I mean, the immune system, I think, would be a foundation, period. Yes. For the, the time of the world we're living in, right? Yeah. 
Uh, are all probiotics bacteria? And uh, what is Saccharomyces? Most probiotic are bacteria. Saccharomyces is a probiotic. We refer to it as a probiotic yeast mm. because taken in adequate amounts, it confers benefit to the host. It is a live microorganism, but it is not a bacteria. It's a yeast. And a lot of people go, yeast, bad, you know, yeast <laughs> infections, bad. That's true. This is not that type of yeast. This is a beneficial yeast. This is the good yeast. Yes. And uh, one thing that's really helpful about Saccharomyces being a yeast is that it's not affected by antibiotics. So you can take Saccharomyces concurrently to taking an antibiotic. And in fact, one of the benefits of Saccharomyces is that it can address antibiotic-associated diarrhea. It also helps with travelers' diarrhea. It uh, mitigates inflammation in the colon, so it can be helpful for IBD. And, you know, we don't, we don't make health claims, right? But when there are studies that show therapeutic value for certain disease states, that's different than making a random health claim that we can't substantiate. So this is something that we can say about Saccharomyces. And it is a primo um, acidifier, right? So it, again, it, it is increasing that acidic value in the intestines and the colon, which is exactly what you want for your beneficial bacteria. That's exactly what you want for good bacteria. And pathogens, pathogenic bacteria, don't like that environment. Mm. So it's very helpful for that. And finally, one more thing I don't want to miss about Saccharomyces, because this is, uh, it saves lives. Saccharomyces is frequently used in hospitals and certainly outside of hospitals to address C. diff, C. difficile infection. And C. diff can, can be very dangerous. I mean, it, it can kill you, ultimately. It doesn't, don't freak out. It doesn't kill everybody. <laughs> and hopefully will kill fewer people when they learn that Saccharomyces can address it. It acts essentially, I, I find this fascinating, so I hope you don't mind if we yeah, no, I, spend I a, a few more minutes on Saccharomyces. Yeah. It acts as a docking decoy for C. diff bacteria. So C. diff is a, is a pathogenic bacteria that tends to be pretty antibiotic resistant. So you can pick up a C. diff infection if you're in a hospital with, I don't know, you've broken a bone and they've given you an antibiotic because maybe that bone's you know, come through the skin or some, whatever. Mm -hmm. You've gotten an antibiotic for something. And, but you're there for something totally unrelated to a gut infection, but you're in a hospital environment where there are loads of bacteria and not all of them are our friends, and C. diff is one of them, mm. um, and you can get it other places too. But at any rate, now you've, you've opened the door for it because an antibiotic doesn't differentiate between good and bad bacteria. It's going to kill bacteria. So now there's more space, if you will, for your pathogens. When, when there's less good bacteria, right? And what the C. diff, looking for a spot to burrow in and set up shop in your intestines, it will be attracted to that Saccharomyces, mm -hmm. and it'll burrow in there, thinking that it's in your intestines. Mm -hmm. And the Saccharomyces just shuttles it right out. Saccharomyces is transient. It's not something that, that does proliferate over time in the gut. So it just collects that pathogenic bacteria, and out it goes. Wow. So I would. So to be clear, you would take that probiotics with the Saccharomyces on a daily basis. Oh, that's a great question. Thank you for asking that. So you know, don't go diagnosing yourself with C. diff if you probably don't have it. But um, Saccharomyces, because it's helpful for inflammation in the colon, it can be taken on a longer term basis than just you know spot treating a, a pathogen. It's very calming to the gut, too. So people, you know, as I said, like, whether it's antibiotic-associated diarrhea or just, 
intestinal discomfort for any variety of reasons that we may not even pinpoint, Saccharomyces can be helpful with that. And in fact, and, and we see it as a, a total standalone in therapeutic amounts, but we've begun uh, formulating it with other beneficial bacteria that we've been able to identify as specific bacteria that will crowd out pathogens in the gut. Right. So it even, it, it plays well with its friends. Yeah. And so you can take it on a longer term basis, both for just a, you know, a, a non, uh, non-scientific diagnosis of, you know, I- an irritable bowel or, or even if you want to call it, a, it is a medical diagnosis. Um, or just an upset, upset tummy. <laughs> yeah, upset tummy. I, my my brother is gluten free and has celiac, so I I don't know if that's something that you guys bring it bring up as well with um, with this with this um, Saccharomyces. I don't know if that's well. That's uh, a we different. need a separate radio show. I was for just going to say but, probably um, a whole different show, huh? Yes, but if somebody has had a gluten exposure, you know, unintentionally. And, and their gut is really upset, sure, it, it would probably be beneficial. But certainly, I mean, celiac is, is a very, you know, specific allergy and, right. and needs to be managed by total avoidance of gluten, of course. Okay. I, I didn't mean to go off. Oh, yeah. I just, it came to me. I'm like, let uh-huh. me ask about this. So um, back to the probiotics, do they need to be refrigerated? I know you were talking about the way they come through and they're living organisms, microorganisms. Right. And it's funny, you know, when you see there are certain people in the retail setting, you know, our wonderful customers who come in and they're like, nope, I have to have, they have to be refrigerated, only refrigerated. And that was true once upon a time. But again, the more we learn about our different strains, we can identify which strains require refrigeration and which don't. And it also depends how, how it's formulated, you know, what type of capsule uh, and what have we done to this particular strain to help it live at room temperature. But some of them are, are very, very shelf-stable, if you will, or you know, very tolerant to different temperatures. Mm-hmm. So you want to know enough about your manufacturer and the products, the specific strains that they're using to know that um, they've done this homework for you mm-hmm. and that the ones that are non-refrigerated are of value at, that, you know, at, at room temperature. So uh, how do you choose a good probiotic product? I mean, that's, that's the million-dollar question. Right, right. <laughs> so, again, back to trusting your manufacturer, mm-hmm. trusting your retailer, right? Where are you shopping? And when you're going into Mother's Market, for instance, you know that they are discerning in the products that they choose to put on the shelf. Um, but what can you learn about your manufacturer? Even on the probiotic label, you should be able to see it, the potency. It should give you some information. Is that the potency that they're listing? Is that potency at time of manufacture? or potency at time of expiration. Mm. So you want to be able to look at all of those things, including strains. There's a lot of, we've been talking about this a lot for many years at Jaro Formulas, the importance of knowing your strains, because without that, you, you don't know. You don't know if it's shelf-stable. You don't know, uh, you know how good the potency is. So you want to be able to look at all of those things and trust your manufacturer. Can I, can I go off on a tangent? Sure, please, yeah. So it, this is going to sound weird to start, but if, if I, and, and this is really about the importance of strains, if I knew you, you wanted a dog, and I said, hey, you know, we, we've got, I've got a puppy outside, would you like it? You might need more information than puppy. Right. So all dogs are the same genus and species. So all domesticated dogs, Canis lupus, 
By the way, if it, if it were a red wolf, it would be Canis ruthus. Um, but knowing, you'd want to know more, right? You'd want to know, well, how big is this dog going to get, you know, and it, what kind of exercise does it require? And, you know, those personality and physical characteristics that come from knowing a little bit about the breed. Even a mutt, you can look at it and say, oh, that looks like it's some of a shepherd and some something else. And then you can know if this is the right dog, hopefully, right. for you. So the same, to say lactobacillus acidophilus, benign bacteria. It's probably a decent dog. But how big is it going to get? How much exercise does it need? Yeah. You know, so within that strain, lactobacillus acidophilus, the strain designation, you can have anything from toy poodle to Great Dane, <laughs> right? So there's going to be different personality characteristics. In fact, just in the last several years, uh, a, hand, well, a little more than a handful, and about 15 or 20 scientists went in and, and actually changed, uh, created some more genus you know, specifications for probiotics because there were over... 250 different probiotics within one genus. Mm -hmm. So now there's several more genera. And again, even within that, there's going to be differences. And that's how you would know. Is it shelf-stable? What does it do? How well does it behave with its friends if you do put it in a capsule or a drink or a gummy? Mm, I like the analogy with the puppies. Yeah, that's a good point. I think it's, I, you really never really think, don't think about that. Mm -hmm. um, Explain the billions on the labels and what is the correct amount of potency as you're talking about potency. Oh, my. Well, again, that's going to depend on the puppy. On, <laughs> on the puppy, right? <laughs> it's so somewhat it will depend on the strain. Some will depend on the delivery system. And some will depend on your nutritional needs, right? I, I always say more isn't better. Better is better. So, and you can look this stuff up, right? You, you, if you have... A genus species strain. You can take that to, you know, go into Google Scholar and put it there. You can take it to PubMed and you can look up the studies on, on a specific strain. Now, if you just put lactobacillus acidophilus, you're not, you're, you know, or lactobacillus rhamnosus, you're not going to maybe get very far. But if you put lactobacillus rhamnosus R0011, mm -hmm. you know, bacillus coagulans, MTCC five eight five six and what language you're, was that right? Then <laughs> right. then you're going to get you know, but but that's how you would learn you know about how much you need. Again, when you trust your manufacturer, you can trust that they're putting therapeutic dosage amounts, particularly when they're using those documented strains. So after that uh, genus and species, so we'll just stick with the easy Lactobacillus acidophilus. Is there a letter and number code after it? If not, it's a generic. What, what we, in the business, I hate to say it, but we re refer to it just as a filler strain, right? It looks good on the label if there's a lot because Americans think more is better. <laughs> but that's back yeah. to the better is better. So you want to know what that, that letter and number code is afterwards. You want to see that there's a letter and number code there that you can take back and see. It'll tell you who's manufacturing that strain and, and what the therapeutic value is, what the scientific studies say. So, and we've talked about the strains, but why do strains matter? I, I think that we've been answering that's this all along, okay. so right? That, that, I mean, yeah, ultimately, that, like that, when you talked yeah. about the puppy analogy and, and just everybody's different. and Right. Um, and again, and, you know, you mentioned, and celiac, again, is a whole different subject. But what are you taking your probiotic for? Right. So for many people, again, it's, if it's just uh, our foundational health and digestion and and helping to support the immune system, then 
you still don't want a generic bacteria, but you can have say, a basic yeah. probiotic, right? If you need something specific for uh, calming the gut, for IBS, for diarrhea, whether it's antibiotic-associated, travel-associated, you know, do you need something specific for women's health? That's when you're starting to be dive even deeper into which strains, and that's why they matter. Yeah, good. No, I appreciate you re, uh, going over that. Do you have any favorite strains? <laughs> that sounds weird, but are there any that we should know about? You know, I, I it's probably something that changes the more I read, right? I read, I, 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 and I'll go down a rabbit hole of like, oh, wow, this is a really mm-hmm. cool... Um, but I, I'm very excited about some of what I'm considering newer because some of the quite a lot of the research is newer. For years, we've started seeing you know like an, anything from granola to I don't know tea with, that has probiotics in it, and I've always thought, well, what in the world is this? I mean, you're pouring hot water over you know how does that work? And um, <laughs> it's generally been all bacillus coagulans strains, and I thought, ooh, you know what are they and what do they do and um, the amazing thing about them is they're incredibly hardy. That's why you can pour boiling water over it. Interesting. <laughs> but, and there are some very specific bacillus coagulin strains and bacillus subtilis strains that we've started to use at Jaro Formulas that I just think we're going to get such great response from the consumer because the studies on the strains, those specific ones that we're using, if you'd like to know the numbers, I can give them to you. <laughs> um, if, both for that general immune response, for helping to increase that connection, you know, the gut-brain connection that we were talking about with the serotonin response. So I'm very excited about those. And of course, the, you know, there's some very specific strains for women. All women are dominant in at least one of the four strains that we use in our Jaradophilus women's product, specifically a crispatus strain that I'm not remembering the number of, but Mm -hmm. that's very exciting. And uh, one of the many things that it does is help to um, mitigate preterm birth, which of course Mm -hmm. is very important. But um, back to those bacillus strains, I think we're going to see more and more great research. Again, you've got to have that right strain de- designation, just a random bacillus coagulans. Um, what we know is that it, you, know, you can pour hot water over it or you can bake it into granola, but how much do we know about what it does? So you do want to know about the specific strains. Wow. This has been really interesting, Hillary. Thank you so much for your time and some great advice. Uh, in the meantime, you can get more information on the website. It is jarro.com, J-A-R-R-O-W. And we look forward to our next visit. Thank you so much. Thank you. If you want to learn more health information, check out mothersmarket.com. Get delicious recipes and health guidelines to keep your body in great shape. Thanks for listening to the Mother's Market podcast and for shopping at Mother's Market. Advice and informational content does not necessarily represent the views of Mother's Market and Kitchen. Mothers recommends consulting your health professional for your personal medical condition.